The words um, in the words I'm going to say in a second are in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse one. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey. Just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And we move on to Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And moving on again, we go on to Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, that is at work within us. 
To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you so much, Peter and uh, Edwina, for reading to us this morning. I think it's the first time you've read uh, in the church here, and uh, you did a brilliant job. Thank you so much. It's really good. Um, And uh, we're going to have our prayers of intercession, actually, after the sermon now this morning. Uh, So Krista will lead us in those prayers of intercession. Just uh, before I speak, I want to say that last Sunday... Some of you don't know, we had a Connect lunch, and that was for people who were new to the church or finding out a bit more about SBC and about what it means to belong here. And it was a brilliant time, an amazing time, actually. Uh, People from different nationalities and also local people, too. And we had a, a great occasion of getting to know one another. And a church that is this size and is growing in number, it's hard to get to know one another. That's a huge challenge. But in the new year, uh, we're going to do a a series of talks on togetherness again, but it will be called Together in Community. So at the moment, it's about together in worship, but in the new year, it will be about together in community. And there'll be two community lunches. One will be on the 29th of January, where I'm hoping to have food from around the world. And uh, it will be a bring and share lunch for anybody to bring their favorite dish from their uh, country or just simply their favorite dish. Um, And we're going to have a bring and share lunch. And then, I think on Palm Sunday, Zoe uh, is going to get a team together and we're going to have another lunch. I can't get enough of church lunches. So um, my waistline can, but that's another issue. We are going to have time of fellowship and engagement and community for us all. And uh, so I want to encourage you. We're thinking ahead to 2023 already. Um, The new year is nearly upon us. But we're in the midst of uh, thinking about this sermon series together in worship. And uh, we've gone through some uh, themes already. Worship is why we gather. Worship in a broken world. Uh, worship at the cross of freedom, and Chris Maggs did a a brilliant sermon and an illustration with the veil and how that veil, that black curtain was broken, and how we have access to God in Christ and how we have freedom in Christ. And today is about worship uh, as an outpouring of love. So, how many songs do you know from popular culture that have the word love in the title. Over to you, talk together. You've got one minute to come up with 50 songs. Okay. Not Christian songs, popular culture. And I'm going to invite one or two to shout out some answers, so be prepared. You're all talking, so you've all got songs. 20 seconds left.
10 seconds. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. That's it. Right. Anyone want to just shout out an answer of your favorite love song? Love is in the air. Love is in the air. By? Oh, there we go. Okay, keep them going. Sorry? And who sang? No, I do know who sang that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Sorry? Can I don't know. Can I feel the love tonight? But can I feel, yeah, can you feel the love tonight? Great, thank you. Anyone? Tainted love. Yep. Baby love. Do you want to sing that out? <laughs> Sorry. Um, that was awful what I just did. Um, at the back, yeah. Nothing's going to change my love for you. There we go. Great, yeah. Any others? Yes. The power. Oh, my goodness. Frank goes to Hollywood. That is a Christmas song. One, who sang that? Doris Day. Brilliant. Any on this side? <laughs> Martin, you do need to come and just do a rendition of that. No. Okay, we've got loads, and there's probably a lot more. Some of the lists I had, Tainted Love, Soft Cell, One Love, Bob Marley, Love Takes Over, Kelly Rowland, if you know that, it's a brilliant song. Uh, I Want to Know What Love Is, Foreigner, uh, The Power of Love, got that. Uh, Crazy in Love. Oh, Mike likes Beyonce. <laughs> Brilliant. A worship leader likes Beyonce. I'm all over that. That's great. Uh, all You Need Is Love, the Beatles. Um, Love Me Tender, Elvis Presley. Love Story, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift! She's actually quite amazing. I mean, every single from her new album is in the top ten singles in the US. I could talk to you all day about Taylor Swift, but we'll move on. Um, and um, Led Zeppelin. Whole lot of love. Probably in my top five songs. The long version. It's got to be the long version. Anyway, how many worship songs do you know that have the word love in the title? You've got 30 seconds for this. For 100 worship, I'm only joking, 10. Okay, five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Go for it. Such love. Here is love. Love. Oh my goodness, you really are good at this. Uh, love divine. Because of your love. How deep the Father's love. Sorry. Love lifted me. Brilliant, thank you. Yeah, at the back. God's love is so wonderful. Love came down. I haven't got a third question, but worship, the way in which we sing songs of love, it's a different kind of love from the popular culture love songs. I mean, those sorts of songs usually are what the Bible describes as these three forms of love. The eros, that sensual, romantic 
kind of love, and you know that. And then the, the, perhaps the one that you don't know so much of is the storge kind of love that Scripture t- speaks about, which is a sort of a familial love, the family love, a, a, a brother to a sister. And then the filial love as well, friendship love. Popular culture it talks about, sings about music related to those sorts of love, but the worship songs that we sing... Well, they're a different kind of love and worship what we do every Sunday and when we gather, two or three gather together and pray and worship in your life groups, in family, in friendship groups. Love, agape love, sacrificial, unconditional love is a response to God's love. That's what we do. When we gather, we are simply worshipping in response to the God who loves us. <laughs> I, uh, I've always wrestled with this question. Why does God need to be worshipped? <laughs> and this week, I found the answer. <laughs> and uh, a little book called... Why being yourself is a bad idea. Actually, it's crossed out, and it's just called Being Yourself. And I want to read it. It's from page 161. And Graham Tomlin, the author, writes this. Sometimes people wonder why, if God is so great, he needs us to worship him. After all, if I insisted that my friends and family kept telling me how wonderful I am, Well, that would be annoying for them. Uh, That would be a sign not of wisdom, but of insecurity. Yet the reason we sing songs and utter words of praise to God is not that he needs it, but actually that we need it. And God knows in his love that we need it. Which is why he asks us to do it. It's why we gather We need to be constantly reminded of God's goodness and faithfulness, especially when there are so many voices around us telling us that he either does not exist, or if he does, he is dull and boring, or even worse, monstrous. (laughs) Songs with music that can speak to the heart in a way that few others can are a way to do exactly that, worship God because of his goodness and faithfulness. So as we hear, see, and taste, and sing of the love of God, the Holy Spirit mysteriously opens up us and God deep to deep. If evil is the absence of good, then learning to love God's goodness and the God who is the source of all goodness is the first step in resisting evil in the world. So this morning, I want us to go a little bit deeper into exploring this sense of worship as an outpouring of love. I want to talk about this word without spitting on the front row. Hebrew. You're all clean. Hesed. Hesed. 
this is a beautiful word from Scripture. A gorgeous word. A a word which the, the people of God in the Old Testament knew, but had to be reminded again and again and again. But it's a word that we don't often think about. We go straight to agape, the Greek word for love. But the Hebrew word for love is just at a different sort of angle. It is a bit about unconditional sacrificial love, but it's much more than that. It's about a steadfast love. You know, there's a buzzword around business and education and even churches. The buzzword is resilience. You've got to have resilience. You've got to be strong when when the world is against you. You've got to be strong. Well, hesed love is a resilient kind of love. When there is unfaithfulness even, when there is disappointment, when the people of God let God down, God's hesed love still continues to pursue relentlessly his people. (laughs) And... In Ephesians, Ephesians is a wonderful book. It's all about good news, the evangel, but that word in Greek is never used in the letter to the church in Ephesus. It's assumed. And the first three chapters in Ephesus are are heavy in theology, deep in theology about the cross of Christ, about being our reconciler and our peacemaker and how bringing the two, one, Jew and Gentile, uh, how how in Christ the cross overcomes all evil. It's deep in theology. But right at the heart of the letter of, in Ephesus, chapter 3, verse 14 to 19, Paul writes on his knees a prayer that the people of God would grasp how wide and high and deep is the love of God in Christ Jesus. To grasp to comprehend. And what he's writing about to the early church is this hesed love. That when we muck up and when we fail and when we falter and when life isn't all as it should be and we're not the Christian that we should be, God's hesed love still relentlessly, faithfully, covenantally, wonderfully, mysteriously, majestically comes into each of our hearts. It's the love of pursuit. It's the love of belonging. It's the love of eternity. This Hesed love is faithful love. Isaiah 54. Though the mountains be shaken, the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up, but anyone been shaken this week, been knocked sideways, left to right? Life hasn't worked out just as you thought it might. God's hesed love is for you today. As Pastor Rick Warren said, God's love is like an ocean. You can see its beginning, but not its end. Today, no matter what you face, you can rely on God's Hesed love. Hesed love is not simply a feeling of emotion, it's an action of God. It intervenes on behalf of loved ones and comes to their rescue. I hold my hand up in confession to say, I need rescuing. 
anyone else want to join me? Because once you admit that, there's an openness to God's Hesed love. Hesed is wrapping up itself in all the positive attributes of God. Love, covenant faithfulness, mercy, grace, kindness, loyalty, in short, acts of devotion and loving kindness that go beyond the requirements of duty. I love that. I love that love goes beyond the requirements of duty. Anyone know who this is? It's Matthew Perry, Chandler from Friends. Um, and he's written an autobiography and, he, and he's written this about his life because he's an addict both alcoholic and drug related addict and he, wrote, he did an interview recently just this week actually where he said I can see myself on the episodes of Friends and I know whether I've been high on drugs or high on alcohol my face changes You won't know it, but I can see on screen what's happened to me and who I am. Even though I'm making millions of people laugh, inside I'm crushed. (laughs) And he said, God had turned me into a seeker not only of sobriety and truth, but also of him. He said this in his testimony, battling through the addiction of alcohol, God, please help me. Show me that you are here. God, please help me. And he started to cry. I mean, really started to cry, shoulders going. That kind of uncontrollable weeper. I wasn't crying because I was sad, says Matthew Perry. I was crying because for the first time in my life, I felt okay. I felt safe. Decades of struggling with God and wrestling with life and sadness, all being washed away like a river of pain, gone into oblivion. I had been in God's presence. I was certain of it, and I had prayed the right prayer for the first time in my life, and it was one word. Help. Eventually, the weeping subsided, but everything was different now. I stayed sober for two years, based solely on that moment of that one word and God's intervention. God had shown me a sliver of what life could be like. He'd saved me that day and for all days, no matter what. God had turned me into a seeker. When we encounter the Hesed love of God, God turns us into seekers. And then this word agape, agape, some people say it differently. The the lawyer questions Jesus, wants to know, wants to test Jesus and says, well, what is the greatest law? And Jesus says, well, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. I mean, it's interesting that Jesus adds mind because that's slightly different from the Deuteronomy version where mind isn't. But as a lawyer, someone switched on, smart, intelligent, the mind was quite important. And Jesus adds mind. Love the Lord your God with all your Heart with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
That's deep stuff. And then we get the good Samaritan rolled out. (laughs) If we are to love God, dare I say it, we need to learn to love ourselves too. And that's something you don't hear often in church. (laughs) There are two dangers, of course. One danger is to succumb to this hedonistic age of, you know, self-serving, self-fulfilling, narcissistic, you know, I love myself and I'm going to beautify myself inward and outward in order to try and reveal to people outside that I'm full of love for self. That's a danger. But the other danger, so prevalent in church life, is that we have a very low view of self. We cannot stand self. Both are really sad, actually. A person, I love the name, Bernard of Clairvaux, a thousand years after the life of Jesus, it sometimes takes the church a long time to catch up to Jesus, talks about the four stages of love. Love of self for self's sake, this is the danger one. The self-serving love. You know, it's awful going into supermarkets and so forth these days where, I don't know whether anyone else has this trouble, but you look and you see two cashiers in Sainsbury's and then there's loads of self-serving. And I go, I'm still going to queue up for the cashier. I want a bit of face-to-face. And I'm also a little bit above the age where computers and things just do my head in. But that's sort of like, you know, it's all about the self-serving age. Do it yourself, go alone, be yourself. Self-centered, self-fulfilling, self-survival, self-ish. Love of self for self's sake is self-ish. And we need to move on from that kind of love to love of God for self's sake. Well, this is the next stage, but it's also not a great stage. You may become aware of God at this stage and also start to love God, but only so far as it serves yourself. This is the kind of like iPhone spirituality, me and my God mentality. I will love God to serve my own sake. It's a consumerist Christianity. I worship God to get as much out of it as I possibly can. The next stage is love of God for God's sake, which sounds really good. That seems like the right kind of love, surely. But again, can be very dangerous. It seems pious and right and correct and good and even godly. But actually, it misses out on this interplay between the lawyer and Jesus. Because whilst it might focus upon God for God's sake, it neglects the needs of the world. So love just becomes this channel which is upward rather than outward. It's, it's a misguided kind of love, actually. This is the last kind of love that we are called to as a response in worship. A love of self and a love of community for God's sake. <laughs> this is where we love self, not for self-serving, but for self-giving an outpouring, sacrificial, unconditional, loving others for God's sake, loving self for God's sake, that we would become Christ-like, having a love that is vertical, a love 
that is horizontal. When we understand that it's the fourth stage we're called to get to, then worship becomes an easy breeze. We have a worship WhatsApp group. I love it. But it's hilarious sometimes, you know, because I think, well, when there's lots of comments on that WhatsApp group after a Sunday morning, I think, well, great. And when there's not so many, I think, oh, it's not so great. But actually, it's not about the comments. Worship should be a breeze. When we respond to God's Hesed love, with a love for self that is godly, and for God's sake, because it reaches out to a world in need. I used this word last night as I was talking to 40 or so young people from Oasis. Flawsome. It's a new word. I love words. You know, if you're American, the word awesome is, you know, there. But flawsome. We are flawed. We are imperfect. We are tainted in our love. We try and do this love thing, but we just muck up. We're no good at it, really. (laughs) But God's perfect, pure, everlasting love is awesome. And he calls us as the flawed people of God to enter into his presence and go, wow. Our flawed nature becomes flawsome. We... We just learn something of God's love for us in a new way. Where we had a low view of self, it becomes a little bit higher, but not too high. We recognize God's awesomeness in our flawed humanity, and we are lifted up. Such love is the fountain of life, and the soul which does not drink from it cannot be alive. This morning, I know I've gone on, but sometimes we need this to deep, to um, root deep within. How wide, how high, and I'm not doing a children's talk, how low, how all-encompassing is the love of God for you in Christ Jesus. The message this morning is start to live again. Start to live again and learn to love as an outpouring and response to God's Hesed love for you. We've heard of the word agape and hesed, but I leave you with the word shema. It's a centerpiece of Jewish prayer life. Hear, O people of SBC, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength.
going to invite Krista to come up and share prayers of intercession. And as she does, I want to encourage you to respond this morning as she prays to that Hesed love. To pray the Shema prayer. As Mike and the band lead us in worship straight after, you may want to come to the prayer station here or the prayer station over to my right, your left, and there is a corner at the back there where prayer will be offered as well. Loads of different opportunities to respond. If you don't feel very loved, go for prayer and be loved. If you have an addiction or a a struggle in life and you want God to deal with it, this is your time. Receive prayer. If you're feeling as if you're a bit frosty (laughs) within community life and you just want to be melted away in God's love and presence, Prayer is for you. God is here.